everyone. Welcome back to the Where Your Feet Take You podcast. I am Kayla Bowker, professional triathlete, mom to two little boys, and coach at Where Your Feet Take You Triathlon and Mental Performance Coaching. And I am super excited to be back here with my dear friend, Paige Swenson. We did an episode, oh, like six, maybe six weeks ago-ish, or four, right before, kind of right before Kona with Paige, kind of talking about her journey to Kona. And it was one of our most popular episodes that we've had to date so far. And we had a lot of requests to actually have Paige going to come back on and hear how Kona actually went for her. So that is what we're going to chat about with her today. So Kona Ironman World Championships for Women was almost exactly a week ago now. Uh, So Paige has just returned back from the Big Island a couple of days ago. And this is actually going to be one of the first times she just told me one of the first times she's kind of talked about the whole day to completion. So I am super excited to hear her story. I know I was tracking her all day long, along with all the other amazing women out there. And I'm excited to hear the story and kind of just yeah, kind of go full circle with Paige here on uh, how the World Championships went. If you guys don't remember or didn't get a chance to listen to the previous episode, please do. It's really a great one. Uh, Paige talks a lot about how mindset really helped her to kind of change how she thought about herself as an athlete and how it really allowed her to kind of relax and let go and find space and strength to be the runner and triathlon that we all know she was already capable of. So it's a great, it's a really great story. And that really allowed her to stay in it and qualify for the Kona World Championships um, that she, again, just recently raced. So we're really excited to hear uh, everything about it. So I'm going to just kind of start there and let Paige, yeah, so tell me all about it. How, what was, what was the day like? crossing the finish line, like, let's just, yeah, maybe we start with, let's kind of just start with the beginning, a little bit, just touch a little bit on the lead up and how you're feeling the week two, and then we'll dive into race day. First of all, thank you so much for having me back. Um, and I'm, I'm so happy that the first episode was such a hit. Um, that means the world to me. So it's, it's super cool. The lead up. So we got there on the sixth, Friday, the sixth, um, the race was actually Saturday, the 14th. So had plenty of time to, you know, settle in, acclimate to the heat and humidity, enjoy all of the pre-Kona festivities. And as you know, that Kona week is, it's unlike (laughs) anything else. Um, I don't think I can put a word to it other than epic, vibrant, um, energetic, just it's, it's unlike anything I've ever experienced before. Um, and, and not that other Ironman races aren't the same as far as the anticipation and the camaraderie, but this one uh, next level. Um, and it was even made more next level by the fact that this was a women's only race and the 45th anniversary of the race women's only to be one of only 2,150 athletes racing. Um, I mean, what an honor. And that just, that whole vibe carried through the entire week. Um, I did the practice swim beforehand. Um, did the, you know, had to do the underpants run, of course. And with yep. my teammates and did a bunch of other stuff with my teammates, sponsor breakfasts, um, dinners. Uh, geez. I, I mean, everything, you know, I tried not to wear myself out. Yep. But at yep. the same time, I do it, it very, and, and I didn't understand that until 
things got rolling. And now I understand why you said that and why a bunch of other people said that, that you can get caught up in all of the stuff, you know, before you know it, it's like six o'clock at night and you're like, oh shit, I'm exhausted. Like I need to go to bed. But I mean, I tried not to do that. I tried to, to get good night's sleeps and, you know, nap in the afternoon and stay off my feet as much as I could. Um, but yeah, all of that was, was amazing. And like I said, the fact that it was a women's only race made it even more special. I was just going to ask you that, like what, from your kind of perspective at being a women's only race, how did you feel the vibe was there? Did it feel diminished and heightened, exciting? You know, what, what was your kind of thought, you know, from that standpoint? I think it was, I think it was heightened in a more emotional sense. Mm-hmm. You know, because us women are more emotional, right? You know, we're we're the touchy feely creatures, <laughs> for lack of a better phrase. So, I, I there wasn't the testosterone of the men, and not that that's bad. I love mm-hmm. my my guy friends. I love racing with my guy friends. But when you don't have that, it, yeah, it, to me, it was much less of a competitive atmosphere. If that mm-hmm. makes sense, mm-hmm. it was more of a congenial, hey, let's celebrate each other atmosphere. Um, you know, talking celebration than a, yeah, yeah, exactly. Talking to women from all over the world, everyone just happy to be there. Everyone's super pumped. Um, yeah, yeah. I I think, like I said, I think it was more emotional versus competitive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, you know, that's give or give or take. I don't know if that's good or bad, honestly, you know, because it is world championships. You want it to be competitive. But I do love that. I love that you said it was a celebration because at the end of the day, that is what this race is. Um, and, and from a world championship standpoint, it is a celebration. And, and that's that's why it's one of the reasons Kona is so special. Because you celebrate the island, you celebrate all the work that you've done right. throughout the year, you celebrate the the people and the energy, and and so I think that's a, a an important piece. Um, awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear that you you know got to enjoy Kona the the festivities of Kona to the extent that you could. Um, all right, let's 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 dive into race day here because I know we probably have a lot to chat about it. But um, uh, walk me through kind of how you're feeling the morning of and how, you know. We'll just start with a swim. We'll, we'll touch, you know, touch on each piece, swim, bike, run. Um, what do you think? Well, overall, let me just say this. The course is not hard. No, it's not. I've, I've done much harder Ironman courses. What's, what's virtually impossible <laughs> are the conditions. Um, that heat That's what makes that Kona humidity. so special. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That. And it's not even really the heat. It's the humidity. It's the humidity. Um, you know, being a Florida native, I know all about humidity. But that island, it, it, it takes it to another level. Um, it does. So that's the battle all day is making sure the body can continue to function in those conditions. Um, and Did you ever, you when you were going down the Queen K on the bike, could you see the heat coming off the ground? Like kind of like yes, that, I, I, that, I was, that I, mirage kind of look to it? Because yes. that's a big distinct piece that I still picture in my head and can see. I remember very specifically, it's usually like around mile 85-ish, yeah. 90, and all of a sudden... <laughs> You kind of start like seeing like the glimmer of the heat coming off of the <laughs> off of the blacktop, and you're just starting to go, "Oh my gosh, I am on the road to nowhere here." <laughs> yes, and all you see in front of you is another hill and another yep. hill, 
And oh, I think I was hallucinating at times because I think I was seeing things. I, I exactly the mirage, the the heat and the humidity coming off the lava and off the road. Yeah, one thousand percent. Yes. And you guys so, didn't have it didn't have a super windy day, so it got it probably got hot out there. It wasn't windy for the first part. It got windy on the back side of Javi. Back probably like the last 35 miles were probably the longest 35 miles of my life. Mm. Um, strong headwind, yes, and the heat. By that point in time, the heat and the humidity had really started to take their toll on me. So I dialed it back. I was very carefully watching my heart rate and, and listening to my body. But yeah, we had a nasty headwind 35, 30 miles from the finish. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, but the beginning part, you're right. We had hardly any wind. And yes, that I would have taken the wind over that heat and humidity any day of the week because I'm used to the wind training here. Um, and, and I think I probably would have had a, a faster outcome had we had the wind because again, I'm used to that. And that would have driven down the humidity, which I'm not used to. So you know, pick your poison, right? <laughs> How do you right, want to exactly, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's kind of back back up to the the swim here. We kind of I I made you off topic a little bit there, but um, back up to the swim here. Um, why don't you just touch me on some high points and some low points of the swim? Um, well, the high point was just being in the swim corral, waiting to start. You know, they line us all up by age group and. The, the vibe in that corral and the vibe at the start line is, again, just unlike anything I've different. ever felt. Um, totally I remember electric. it is totally electric. I remember my dad after our first Kona um, back in 2017, I remember him saying that after we left going, you ever qual anytime you qualify for Kona, we'll be back. We'll come back because there's something about, he says, as a spectator, you can feel the energy at an a world championship is different. And it sounds yes. like you got to feel that. Yes. All of my, uh, Lars said that. And all of my friends that came to cheer me on said the exact same thing. They said it was, it was just completely just it, it, like you said, electric, completely different than anything they'd ever seen or felt or, you know, what have you. Um, so the swim, my age group, we went off at seven ten. We were second to last, which you know, I, I didn't really care about, I mean, cause it was, you know, it's hot and humid from the get go, right. It's not going to make 30, 40 minutes. Isn't going to make a hill of beans difference at that point. But there was a lot of us, I think there was over 300 in my age group. Wow. And you know, they, they started us, um, you know, we did the swim up to the surfboards, which if, if anyone has not seen that, that is the coolest freaking thing ever. I mean, I've seen it on TV. It's given me chills, but to be behind those surfboards and watch them do their thing and then all of a sudden they open up and let us go when the cannon goes off. I mean, that just gave me chills. Um, yeah. It was very choppy and there was a lot Especially of Especially because you had a, a lot of, it's going to be more choppy now than by the time you went because you had all the people stirring up the water too. Yes. Yes. So super choppy. Uh, I had gotten really sick in the practice swim because it was also super choppy. So I took a pro's advice and got earplugs. And for mm, the first mm -hmm. time in my life, raced with earplugs, and that made a huge difference. I didn't have the, it didn't screw up the, the chop and the water didn't screw up my equilibrium. So I felt good. Um, and I just tried, there was a lot of feet to stay on. I just stayed on feet. I didn't have a lot of trouble sighting because they put out nice. a lot more buoys 
um, which was great. And with all the feet, I just followed yep. feet and tried not to swallow salt water because we all know what happens when you do that. And, you know, just try to, again, stay in the moment, do, you know, what you taught me. There were times where I was thinking, oh God, you know, this is going to be a slow swim. You know, this is, this is not, this is not what I wanted. And then I'd stop myself and say, no, no, you told yourself time doesn't matter. Just Mm -hmm. swim. One stroke, kick, swim, like just swim. And I finally got to the boat, you know, the, the infamous body glove boat. And that was super cool. You know, you do the turn there and that was really choppy. Uh, But again, lots of buoys. Sighting was not a problem. I mean, the swim was relatively uneventful. You know, when you race Mm -hmm. with a bunch of women, someone kicks you and they're like, oh, sorry, sorry. (laughs) It's a lot more. Yeah. You're not going to get swum over quite as much. Or if you do, the person's going to (laughs) apologize. It's a little less violent. (laughs) It it was a lot less violent. I mean, there was a lot of us in the water, like I said, but a lot less violent. People were, you know, just more respectful of your space and their space. And yeah, like I said, other than the chop, uneventful. I mean, Mm -hmm. my slowest Ironman swim ever, but again, I don't, I didn't care. I mean, I just, you know, I, I really wanted to get out of the water without being sick because I had gotten sick in that practice swim and that, you know, that got in my head and bothered me. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I, I just swam really like I never really, I never got kicked in the face. I, I mean, I was kicked in the feet a few times, but I mean, that's totally normal. So yeah, it's relatively uneventful. Nice. Well, that's good. It's, I mean, the swim is one of those pieces that it can be relatively uneventful. You know, it's it's a space where you can, you can, we always say you can, you, you can't lose, wait, what is it? You can't win the race in the swim, but you can lose the race in the swim. So as long as it's fairly uneventful, you're going to be set up for, you know, that space of it. Um, okay. I'm excited to kind of hear about the bike and the run here because those are the meat of the meat and potatoes of the day. Um, and that bike is definitely one of those where I can tell you I've had my fair share of uh, crawling through miles on that bike course. Um, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> what uh, what did you think of it? How'd it go? Well, I mean, it was, it was, it was very slow for my standards, but that was by my own choosing. Um, because mm-hmm. with my hyponitremia, humidity is literally my worst enemy because my body does not cool down and I sweat so much, which means I'm sweating even more salt. So I have to be super, super careful about the salt intake and the nutrition, even more so than any other time. So I knew that from the get-go, right? And Mm -hmm. so what I did to keep the core body temperature down as much as possible, I literally stopped at every aid station, took a bottle of water, dumped it on my chest, dumped it on my back, and then went. So that Mm -hmm. probably cost me 15 or 20 minutes. But again, like I've said, the goal wasn't time. The goal was to finish that race and not be in an ambulance or get pulled off the course. And I knew, I know my body well enough to know that I had to do what I had to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. if I wanted to make it to the run or even make it all the way through the run. So I was very mindful of my heart rate. There were times my heart rate was pretty high. So I gear down, you know, slow down a little bit. Um, like you said, the first half of the bike up to Javi, very little wind. And yes, it was, it was just hot. We did have some cloud cover at times, which was nice. Um, but it was, like I said earlier, it was more of the humidity and I could start to feel it. When I say I could start to feel it, I never cramped, thank God, because I was taking my salt. And by the way, those salt tabs from salt stick are amazing. 
Yeah, uh, you're the second. So I had told another athlete, um, Salt Stick, if you're listening, I have reached out to you um, for sponsorship. <laughs> but you are now the third athlete that has messaged me because I told them that exact same thing. So Jenny Winters, who's a Where If You Take You athlete, actually texted me after her race and she said, those Salt Stick shoes saved her race. She's like, I... Yes. I just stuck in my mouth and sucked on them and they were um yes. so amazing. So I love them. They saved they saved my Kona last year. Completely saved my Kona. Um you know, or my bike because I, I was uh, uh on the on the on the deep end. But um one thing that you keep mentioning that I want to touch on really quick before you continue on is you really keep touching about how you keep you kept seems like you kept going back to focusing on your overall like what you wanted to actually accomplish from the yes. race. Um, did that really, was that a big grounding piece for you? Talk to me a little bit about how really having kind of that goal that was maybe not necessarily an extrinsic goal, but more of a, Hey, this is how I want to feel like, right. We've talked about that. You and I talked about that. I've talked about it on previous podcasts, how this idea of having something that grounds you, that is, how do I want to feel when I exit the swim, the bike, the, the, the run overall, and using that as like, okay, what actions then do I need to focus on? It can be really grounding and be in, help you out of tricky situations out there. Um, talk to me a little bit about how you kept coming back to that because you, you've said that a couple of times now. Yeah, my, my grounding mantra, I guess, for, for lack of a better word, was the the run down Ali'i. I wanted to mm-hmm. get back to that point. I wanted the last half mile of that race more than anything. And there, yes, I, there were hundreds of times in the bike and the run where I'd say, okay, this is the goal. Don't look at the watch. Don't get upset at yourself because you are stopping at these aid stations and people are flying by you keep focused. The, the, the goal is a Lee drive. Um, and yeah, like I said, I said that to myself hundreds of times on the bike. I, I reminded when I, when my brain would start to go, Oh shit, this is miserable. Like I am melting. How in the hell am I going to run? How in the hell am I going to, you know, get up the queen K and get to the energy lab. And I'd stop myself and go back to my mantras about no, no page you're cycling. You are riding your bike. You need to concentrate on pedaling. What is your heart rate? How do you feel? You know, what do you need to do to keep going? And, you know, all that stuff that you and I worked on. Um, and, and it worked. Um, you know, the climb up to Javi was no big deal. I'm used to climbing up here all the time and it wasn't windy. So, I mean, we had a little bit of a headwind, but I mean, nothing abnormal. And because the winds weren't bad, the descent down Javi was a blast. Um, you know, I just, I just went and I, and I did that on probably all the descents. I just used mm-hmm. the free speed, um, took advantage of that, took it easy on the climbs. And yeah, like it's like we talked about a minute ago, the last 30, 35 miles, I really started to feel that humidity and that heat. And like I said, I know my body, I know what I had to do. And I just kept my mind in that space of, okay, you've only got 30 more miles You've done this a gazillion times. Yes, it sucks. Yes, this hurts, but you can do it. If you have to dial it back even more, dial it back and just keep pedaling. (laughs) Yeah, keep pedaling. Keep one one foot after the other kind of thing. Um, Awesome. I love that. Well, I really think, yeah, I I love how you kind of touched a couple of times on how, again, how you focused really strongly on your overall arching goal for the day. Anything that surprised you about the bike before you move on to the run? 
probably coming back and just seeing those those rollers. It's a lot just, more it, tricky than you think it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and the, it's it's excuse my language. It's the biggest mind fuck because you see mm-hmm. you can see them. Yeah, and like yeah. like you mentioned, you see the heat and the and the humidity coming off the lava and the road, and it's a mirage, and it's yep. just like I said, I swear to God, I hallucinated a few times. <laughs> oh, hundred um, <laughs> percent. But yeah, that that was that was harder than I thought it was going to be. I mean, because the the last thirty miles of any Ironman bike leg are hard because you mm-hmm. just want to be done. Um, but that that was probably the most challenging 30, 35 miles of my life. Yep. Sound that sounds like Kona Ironman. Um that sounds very standard. I remember I I would always just like you just gotta get to the airport. Once you get to the airport, yes. you've only got eight miles. You just gotta get to the airport, get to the airport, and then you're home free. I was like exactly. willing myself to the airport every yes. time. And just ticking I I made when I started the bike, I said, Okay, I'm gonna tick off the aid stations. We had a lot. We had ten aid stations. Plus they have a lot on the mm-hmm. So that was great. So I, you know, I would just keep my little goals, right? Get to the next aid station, dump the water. Okay. Get to the next aid station, dump the water. Um, and I drank all my nutrition. I did everything I needed to do. I had my salt tabs, um, but it, it was still, it was still brutal. Yeah. That sounds like a, a Kona bike. Well, also, I think that sounds really fabulous. Um, okay. So you get off the bike. Um, how you feel when you get off the bike? Excited to run, nervous to run. The the first portion of this run is amazing, by the way. Like it, it's yeah. hard to control yourself on the first portion of this run because it's down Alihi. You're along the you're along the ocean. There are people everywhere. There's writing all over the ground. Like it's very intoxicating. Yes. Well, when I got off the bike, I was delirious. I almost I unclipped a foot and I almost fell over because I couldn't get my other foot out. And I think that was um sodium deficiency mm-hmm. and you know the volunteers are everywhere they I, I i can talk about that later but the volunteers were amazing and the guys like are you okay are you okay and i'm like Paige, i was like saying to myself get your shit together because if they think you're delirious they're not gonna they like pull run. you <laughs> yep <laughs> yes so i was like oh i'm fine i'm fine like <laughs> totally faking it i was not fine <laughs> Um, but you know, I wrapped the bike, got my stuff, got out. I ended up walking the first probably four miles because my hamstrings were cramping and I knew, again, this is my experience. I I knew my body and I knew if I tried to run, I would start cramping and, and maybe not make it. And at that point in time, it wasn't worth it to me. It was more worth it to walk to get my wits about me, to get, to get the muscles to calm down a little bit, to get more sodium in me, uh, brought my little salt tabs, you know, I had the, in the pocket of my suit, um, uh, and just took it easy. And then once I did, got to the turnaround, you know, we, the four miles out or ish, whatever it is out, then I started to run a little bit more and a little bit more. Um, and I felt better and felt better and felt better as I kept going, you know, got up, Polani with all the people. I mean, like you said, the the amount of people is is oh my god, it's it's just unreal. It's unreal. Um, got up to the Queen K and felt better, and I ran, I ran the downhills, walked the uphills, um, just again to keep keep my cramping at bay if it was going to come back. And then it got dark, and oh my god, that was not fun. There's not a light. There's to be no seen. lights out there. None. It's, it's <laughs> awful. So I ended up walking more than I probably needed to because I was scared I was going to trip over something and, and hurt myself. 
especially in the energy lab. Now, the Queen K, the road was not beautifully smooth, right? But we made that left turn into the energy lab and got about halfway through it. And the road is just all like broken up and there's potholes everywhere. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to break an ankle. And I had a little LED light with me that I clipped on my suit. Well, the damn thing died at like mile 17. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why it was fully charged. I mean, so from that point on, I couldn't see crap. So I was, I was catching up to athletes. Like I was running up to other athletes who had lights. So that you could run. Yes. <laughs> so I could run with them so I could at least see what was going on. Did you get glow sticks? Um, yeah, but the, I, they didn't light the road. No, I they don't, but they're fun. <laughs> oh, they were fun. I was like twirling them and like playing with them, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was brutal. The darkness out there was, was, it, it was downright scary at times. Yeah. It's very desolate out there. I mean, it's a, it's a highway that is in the, it, there's nothing out there. It's very quiet. There are no lights, very minimal lights, if any. Um, and then, yeah, the energy lab is very dark um, and very, uh, I mean, it's dark. It's very desolate when it's daylight when you're running out there. And so I can only imagine how it felt um, kind of running out there in the dark. Um, okay. So you've now you've made it back uh, to that, the famous, you get down, you go down, you may go up the last big, last big hill, which gets you to about mile 23, uh, no, 24. And yeah. then there's the last aid station. You make the right hand turn down to Polini down Polini, headed towards Alihi Drive. Walk me through that. How was that? Oh, epic. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is, right? I'm getting yeah, used to thinking about it. You know, even though I was late, um, you know, slower than I would have liked, there was still a, a whole lot of people out there, which was super helpful. A lot of my teammates, pe- like I said, people that had traveled to come cheer us all on were out there. Yeah, it was... It was wild. And to turn onto Ali'i and they've got the, the, the blow up Hoka, yep. whatever Hoka, they are. Wanna, wanna, wanna. I don't even yep. know what you call mm-hmm. them. Like they were lights, for, <laughs> but they were all different colors, which was super cool. And they were like changing colors and you know, the, the, the barriers are all lined with, you know, the Ironman banners and the Hoka banners and you can hear the finish line, you know, you can't see it cause you got to go around that curve. Yep. Um, but yeah, that I just I just took that in. Like I just shuffled basically and was just just took just like I said, I just took it in. And then you get to the red carpet and you're like I I I, I can't even I cannot put words to it. I was just Very like oh describe. my god, I did it. Like wow. And I you know, all my people were on the on the side and I stopped and gave them hugs and high fives and and then I get right before, you know, I, why they make us go uphill. I don't at the know. Very end. <laughs> and it's like, why do you got to go up this little ramp? Like, why can't you just make it a flat surface? <laughs> so I, I totally tripped and had a yard sale, fell flat on my face because the carpet had like a roll in it that I didn't see. And I, I was making my way up that part and totally my foot caught it and I tripped and literally fell on my face. Thank God it wasn't right at the top. So it didn't make it on the video. <laughs> um, so yeah, I got up from that and then, you know, just walked, I just walked up the rest of the ramp and stopped at the top of it. I mean, uh, prior to that, I made sure there was no one around me because I did not want someone to ruin my finisher picture. And that was not, me in not 20, totally 2018. Selfish. But this guy 
flips around and just stands there and completely ruins pictures for like four people who are coming in at the same time. He's in every single one of my pictures. So I'm so glad that you did that and didn't. Yeah. 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 So I just stopped at the top of it and just, just looked up and just pointed at the, at the board and just, like I said, just stood, stood there for probably 20 seconds, 30 seconds and just took it all in and, and walked back down. And, and I, I was delirious. Um, you know, and I, you hear the music and all the volunteers are there. And the first person that greeted me was Julie Moss. Oh, awesome. Um, I've been friends with her since 2017 and ran into her earlier in the week. And we, you know, we were chatting and she told me she made it a point to be there when I finished and she gave me the biggest hug. And she's like, Oh my God, I'm so proud of you. You did it. You did it. And then Lars came over and then there were volunteers, like, you know, putting the towel and the beads and like volunteers everywhere mm-hmm. and catchers and which I seriously needed because I was about to collapse. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it was, it, in a nutshell, it was everything I had dreamed of and more. I was going to ask that, like, did it give, you know, we all have this perception of what Kona is going to feel like when we cross that finish line. Was it more, less, everything you needed, et cetera? Yeah, yeah everything I needed. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, I think... I wasn't as emotional as I thought I'd be. And I think it was just because I was so done. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, my body was just at its limit. I don't think I could have run another half mile. Um, So I, like I said, I think I probably would have been a a bubbling crying mess had I not been just trashed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a different, it's a, it's a different feeling with that, with that finish line, that finish line is definitely something, you know, very special. Um, wow. It's so fun. I'm so glad I got to hear this story because it just, you know, I know how much this meant to you and how hard you worked to get here and, you know, that the effort that you put into it and, you know, kind of every, you know, everything that's gone into it, right. You know, from training and, um, you know, family and friends and being a part of it. Um, what did you think about kind of, you know, Iron World Iron Man knows how to put on a world championship race. Oh, hell Let's yes, face they it. do. Hell what did yes, you think? How did you feel about that? It was, I was I was incredibly impressed. I mean, most Iron Man races are do- very well done. Uh, but this, I, I keep using the phrase next level. Mm-hmm. There must have been 10,000 volunteers. We did bike check-in. And, you know, you've got the time where you have to go and they're super strict about that in Kona, which is fine. Um, so you walk into that transition area and, and you just see the carpeting that says Ironman World Championships. I took a video as I was walking because it, it took my breath away. And there's volunteers, I mean, everywhere. And they're clapping and they're cheering and they're like, oh, my God, you're going to do it. It's almost race day. And. This goes on for like 30 minutes <laughs> and, and race morning was the same thing. You know, you go in, you know, behind the hotel yep. and you check in your special needs stuff and your then they funnel marked. you, yeah, they you funnel you in. right into transition and you can't leave again. And thank God I knew that beforehand. Cause I said goodbye to Lars and, you know, all my friends, but the, the, the volume of noise from the volunteers after you dropped your stuff off and made that left turn to go into body marking, 
I mean, you would have thought I just crossed the finish line and I just walked into the damn transition area. <laughs> right. I, it, it made me cry. I was bawling. I was like, oh my God, I had never seen anything like that. I had never felt anything. It was, <laughs> wow. It's very, very powerful. Yes. It's a very powerful fan. Man, it is making me, um, I, I have, I told myself that I wasn't going to do an Iron, Iron Man next year because to race competitively in the professional field, you, you kind of have to be able to handle like 26, 28 hours really, you know, even more sometimes to do really well. And I just don't feel like I'm not hundred percent sure I have that capacity and right. oh man, watching that and now chatting with you, like. I'm pretty positive I need to go do an Ironman next year just because <laughs> there is something about it that is like calls your name and it like drags you and sucks you in. And it's, it's so incredibly amazing and, and powerful. Um, Definitely. Yeah. What was your biggest takeaway from the day? How brutal that heat and humidity is. Mm-hmm. People talk about it. You, you have no clue until you experience it. What I always say about Kona is that it is beautifully brutal. Yes. And is the best way to describe that race. Beautifully brutal because it will throw everything out. It will literally strip you down. Yes. And you have to bear your soul and leave a port of, part of it for the island. Every yes. single athlete that has ever been in Kona, every time you leave a portion of yourself out on that course. Oh, definitely. 100%. Yes. Yes. And that's what makes it, that's what makes it so special. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What was your favorite part of the whole, and, and not even, you could talk, we could talk race day. You could say favorite part of race day, favorite part of the whole experience. What was your favorite part? I got to say sharing it with 25 of my teammates. Yeah. I could see that. Mm-hmm. That was super, talk about powerful, Kayla. Yeah. Um, super powerful, super emotional and, and from all over the world, right? There was five of us from Colorado, which was super emotional to begin with, you know, and we were the largest contingent in my team of the United States. We had Australia, New Zealand, some people from Europe, uh, but just meeting all of those ladies and the bond that we have formed because of our experience is, is something that'll last a lifetime. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I got to go with that. Did you get to race with any of them kind of in and around the same space or were you all pretty spread out? We were pretty spread out, but we passed each other and we'd yell, um, and, and cheer. And the, the other cool thing about it, because we did have 25 people, we finished third, by the way. So Cal awesome. and Elise got a super cool trophy for their, um, their trophy case from us. Um, but the, the coolest thing was other other athletes and spectators like, I can't tell you how many times I heard, oh my God, you cupcakes are everywhere. You guys are so cool. How do I get on your team? Like, I mm-hmm. love your kit. I love your vibe. Like, wow. Like so many times. Um, so that, that was really empowering as well. That made me feel yeah. really good. Good. Yeah. It makes it, uh, like you said, it kind of makes... This race, not even this race, but triathlon can be very isolating. Um, yes. And, you well, know, this, when you have race, a- this race is very isolating. Very isolating. Um, and especially, you know, with it, it, with it being only the, you know, the, the women gender out there, um, it's going to be more isolating because there's less people. 
on a course. Yeah. Or not even necessarily less people, because in reality, the actuality, there is that, that's the same, that around that amount of people total um, was normally on course. But when you're not intermixing men and women, it becomes, um, there's a lot more solo time. Um, and so when, you know, that's one of the reasons, you know, having that team is so powerful. You know, I, I can speak from it from being on the Trace Pinas team and seeing all the women out there and being able to cheer each other on. And, and then, you know, you being a part of the cupcake team, like it's, it's a big piece of it. And it's, it's a very powerful, powerful piece of it that I'm glad you got to experience because that was, that is a big part of it. Um, Okay. Uh, before we kind of, you know, sign off here and everything, I want to hear, what did you, I know you probably didn't get a chance to see much of the uh, pro women race, but Lucy Charles going gun to tape. What do you think? I was so happy. Yeah. When I heard, I, I, you know, I was on the run when I heard that she won and I, I, again, tears. I love her. I absolutely adore her. Um, I have so much respect for her. And w- when I heard she won, I, that, that made my day. I was so happy. Um, and all the, all of us athletes, everyone was talking about it. Um, you know, she passed me on the bike. I was going one way, she was going the other way. And I mean, she was just hauling the mail and it was so cool to see the lead she had. Um, and, and again, all of us on the bike were like, oh my God, like where is second place? Like, right. Crap. Yeah. Like Lucy's actually going to do this. Um, so yeah, that that was amazing. I'll bet. Yeah, it was really fun to watch. I I thought it was a amazing amazing race to watch and I think it's important that one of the coolest things, you know, just from we, women, you know, obviously you and I are women so we're going to toot our horns here a little bit, but <laughs> it, it's it's very it's amazing to see and i'm hoping that finally maybe we stop getting told well women nobody's going to watch the women because time yes. and time and time again for years now not just this year but years now women have shown that if you put us in the spotlight we will show up exactly we will put on a show and just as many people want to watch us i mean the women had a bigger broadcast than the men if you go into other sports um the women's soccer often has a bigger broadcast than men i'm pretty sure last year um uh, this past year in 2023 i believe one of the women's march madness teams games had was a sold out complete sold out crowd and had more views than an nba basketball team like yes. women will show up if you give yes. us the stage. Amen. We know how to show up. We know how to compete and we don't water down <laughs> just because we are quote unquote given a slot. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I don't know if you saw the Facebook post I did yesterday um, or, or heard Haley Chura talk about this before the race, but we had a 100% women out of the water. Yep. Everyone made the cutoff, ninety-eight percent finish rate. Uh, that's an Ironman World Championship record, all-time record. And and yeah, I I didn't really talk about this on the last podcast, but I'm I'm happy to talk about it now because I think it's very important. When Ironman announced that they were giving those additional slots, you know, I talked to you, um, and and that was why I went after this goal because I thought, okay, this is my, this is my chance, right? There was a lot of backlash Mm -hmm. from people that I thought were friends, people that I thought were 
um, teammates that respected me, that respected what I do. Um, and, and the backlash was pretty much what you just said. Oh, you're giving women all these additional slots. You are therefore diluting the world championship race. It is no longer worthy of being called a world championship because you're giving all these other, you're giving, okay, giving, that word makes me want to smack someone. You're giving people extra slots, right? And what made this more hurtful is that it came from a lot of people who had never done a full Ironman. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, first of all, you have no freaking clue what it takes to finish an Ironman. So you need to just stop running your mouth to begin with. But second of all, how can you possibly say that giving more women an opportunity to race a race that we deserve to race in is diluting it and making it less of a world championship race? I mean, that logic is is so insane. I mean, it, it it doesn't even make any sense. So that's why I did the Facebook post I did yesterday saying, okay, haters, here are the statistics. Here's what we did. Um, in reality, we didn't dilute anything. You know, we came, we saw, we conquered that course. Like you just mentioned, we had a higher viewership than than a lot of the earlier races. Yeah. I I mean, like you said, we showed up. There was no Mm -hmm. doubt that every woman that raced that race, I don't care if you finished first or last, you deserve to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and just finishing that course is something that should be celebrated. And you, when you, when you think about it, there was only 2,100 of us. I mean, think, and I know there's not a lot of women in triathlon, but you, to be one of 2,100 women to be there is incredibly special and is, is, Mm -hmm. it should be celebrated. And I, I am eternally grateful for Ironman for doing what they did. You know, this has been a 30 year fight from women. Um, the pro women have fought for this, for us, for age groupers, women for try feisty media. I mean, I could go on and on. And I, I, th- I think this was a rousing success. Um, I, I bet if you ask and- Andrew Messick, the CEO of Ironman, what he thinks of this, I think he would tell you that he had no clue it would it would turn out to be as successful as it was. Um, so I, I don't know what they're going to do in the future. I mean, I, I I love racing with my guy friends, and I would love the opportunity to share that course again with my guy friends. But if it means you can't go back. No. Women have to be on, have to have their own shine, day. Yeah. Now, I think you know, I, me personally, I don't love that they're split, like in September and October in different areas. But right. we can't go back. Women deserve their their, their space. Um, I agree. And I remember actually having that conversation with you when you you kind of right when we started this when we started kind of working together on these pieces, um, you know, with Canada and then after Canada when you you realized, hey, there are some more slots. I actually remember having that conversation with you, like. I think you even said to me, like, I, you know, is it right to go for it? Pretty sure my response to you was, fuck, yes, it is. Go <laughs> after those slots. Like, yes, it, it, it's if they, so what if they give extra, quote unquote, extra slots? Right. If they're there. You right. earn it if you get it. Like, right. you're the one that showed up. So you're the one that needs to take it. And, you know, it, and at a, at a world championship, like, you know, you can even look at it from the pro women's field. There's always people that surprise you. 
that you yep. maybe didn't know were going to maybe they're back of the pack. Maybe they barely qualified. And then all of a sudden, I mean, fuck, look at Chelsea Sodaro last year. Yep, exactly. She was kind of a nobody. Yep. And she wins the damn thing. Like, if you give people, you have to give people a chance exactly. and to show up. Now, does that mean that you need to just hand out slots? No, not necessarily. People got to earn them. But by showing up and racing and competing and finishing and trying, all you're earning it. Agreed. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're earning just, it. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and yeah, that's exactly why I was so taken aback by, like I said, people that I thought were my friends and thought res- that respected what I do and, and my abilities and, and, you know, never having raced an Ironman and they're like, oh yeah, well, you know, this, this is, this is ridiculous. They shouldn't split this. They shouldn't give these extra slots and, you know, you're not worthy of it if you don't finish in the top two places of your age group. Fuck you. How, how, how can you say that? Because on any given day, anyone can finish in the top two. I, I mean, you're out there for 10, 11, 12 hours. You don't know what the heck is going to happen. No. I mean, you like you just said, you could, you could be a nobody and you could come out of nowhere and win the damn thing. Or you could be projected to win, be a top age and group blow up and have a complete shit day and not even finish. I mean, yep. it, you know, and so just to finish an Ironman in and of itself is a huge accomplishment and should never, ever be downplayed, whether you finish it in nine and a half hours or 17 hours. It's, Great. it doesn't matter. And people, people, people that have never raced the race don't understand that. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a shame because that mentality, unfortunately, seems to rule the day. At least it did. Now let's hope that the success of this race has flipped the switch um, yeah. and, and has made people realize, like you just said, that women deserve their day. We deserve the opportunity to shine. And again, I'm sorry, 2,100 people, that's not a lot. It's really not. I mean, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, and granted, we don't have a lot of women racing foals in the States. They, For some reason, they seem to have more in Australia and New Zealand. I've learned that from my teammates. but. Still, you have 2,100 athletes. I mean, again, to, to be one of those people is shit. I mean, probably the biggest honor of my life. Yeah, I agree. Well, I'm really glad that you got to experience it. Um, okay. Uh, what it would be, you know, before, again, I have a couple, one more, one, maybe two more questions. Um, what sure. would be your number one recommendation to someone who is new to this race now that you've accomplished it? And obviously next year is going to be a little bit different because it's, it's going, nice. it's going to be nice. Um, yeah. So it is a different race, but let's just talk about, let's pretend we'll pretend next year's Kona again, or if somebody's qualifying for 2025 or 20, yeah, 2025. Um, what would be your, what would be your biggest tip advice? Don't have any expectations going into it. Yeah. Try your own advice too, for your first time. <laughs> try to keep eh, try to stay as grounded as possible because I think that made a huge difference for me. I told you last time we did the podcast that I didn't care what time I finished in and I stuck to that. I did not care. I listened to my body. I did what my body needed and I did what my body needed to get me to a Lee drive and to that finish line. Um, you feel like that it really helped you to celebrate the day? Yes, because I didn't give a shit about the time. 
I wasn't worried people, I, you know, I wasn't thinking, oh God, I'm letting people down or, oh God, I'm embarrassing people because I'm going slow. No, fuck that. This is Kona. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. Um, what, what matters is that absolutely iconic finish line. And, and that was it. Mm -hmm. That was my number one mistake with my first Kona. I went into it with a lot of expectation, a lot of pressure on myself, feeling like I had to, I had to prove myself. Um, and that came from, cause I, I won my first, my won my first Ironman kind of in a fashion that I, I didn't really anticipate. And I want, I wanted to prove that I wasn't a one-off and right. that That's put fair. so much pressure on me that when it started not going well, I kind of spiraled. Um, yeah. And then I went into the next two that I did with no pressure. I, I had my goals that I wanted to achieve, but I went into it with exactly what you said. I had a focus, a grounding point, and I ended up coming eighth and sixth, like so much better. Like I had, I had really good days. So I think that's really powerful advice for your first one. Be, be cautious with the goals that you set and focus more on experience and feeling and execution than an extrinsic time or place goal. Definitely. And, and because it'll, it'll save your race. I mean, think about it. The, the placing really only matters if you're going to be number one or if you're a pro, right? Yeah. The rest of it, people, no one is going to remember it. And people are going to ask you or they're, they're going to see the medal and they're going, oh my God, you raced Kona. Holy crap. Like, that's amazing. They're not going to ask you what place no. did you get? And if they do, they're going to get slapped. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter at the end of the day. <laughs> no, it doesn't fucking yeah. matter. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, and I think women are more in tune with that than the men. Um, which again, I think that atmosphere permeated the day that there was a lot more that, that a lot of us just had that feeling that we just wanted to get to that finish line. It wasn't about any time or anything else. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Um, all right. Uh, last question here. Now that we're kind of, uh, I know you're kind of probably headed into the off season. Um, you've got some, you know, obviously it's, it's October and it hasn't snowed yet, though. It might've, <laughs> you never know. It snowed in the mountains. It snowed yep, in the mountains yep. while we were gone. They got a foot of snow. So yay. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Um, what looking ahead, have you thought about 2024 yet? Uh, yes and no. Um, I have a goal. I want my world championship, 70.3 world championship slot to Topo, New Zealand. Love it. That um, race looks fun. That race looks so cool. Agreed. And I have a shit ton of teammates over there that I would love to meet. Mm -hmm. So that would mean the world to me if I could get that done. But because of what I just experienced, if I can't, it's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. Um you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like up here, right? Yeah, I, riding I, the high, I, ride the high. I can't go any higher. I have done, yeah. I have completed the pinnacle of our sport and I have to be mindful of that. That is, this is not a situation where I'm going to say, okay, great box checked, move on. No, mm -hmm. no. Good. Good. Um, this is something that's going to stay with me for a long time. And so, like I said, if I don't get that slot, it, I'm not going to cry over it. It is what it is. Um, I think I'm going to race Chattanooga 70.3 as the first chance to try to do it. Um, hey. We'll see how that goes. And we'll see Ironman supposed to open more races later on in the year because, you know, Topo's not till December, right? Mm -hmm. um, but they haven't yeah. announced, I think, races past June. So mm -hmm. I'm sort of waiting to see what they do with that. Um, but in the meantime, I'm probably just going to do 
some local sprints, some local Olympics. Um, you know, I may go do a mountain bike race, you know, nice with no data. I don't care. I, you know, I'll just start the Garmin and just race the race because I have yeah. the stamina, you know, I have the endurance for a long distance mountain bike race. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love to be on my mountain bike. So, Hey, what the hell? Um, There's some good options for those in Colorado too. Yeah. Um, in yeah, kind of just surrounding, do... you know, Colorado, Utah type areas. Exactly. Just yeah. do something different and, mm-hmm. you know, have fun with it. Um, nice. so we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens, but I, I need to get back in the weight room. I love lifting weights and doing all the functional training. So I actually need to message my, um, strength coach <laughs> when we're done with this and see if I can start, uh, with her next week and, and get that going. Nice. Well, hopefully we can race together sometime next year. I was oh, always fun it. to see you yeah. at, out there racing. I'd um, love that. Give me your schedule when you get a chance and I'll do my best to uh, make yeah, it work. I'm going to probably follow a lot of the Ironman new pro series next year. Um, cool. Oh yeah. Congratulations on that, by the way. That's huge. That is huge. It's huge for people like me. Um, yes. You know, who are kind of in that mid pack, uh, also who can't, you know, you know, one, maybe probably can't, aren't, aren't able, not in a good space to be able to yet to qualify for a PTO race slash, even if I did, might not be able to travel to it because it's so far and I've got a family right. and you know, those, those kind of pieces. Um, right, so right. I'm kind of very much pigeonholed into Ironman branded races. Um, because one challenge, there's very there's no challenge races in the United States that though are Tremblant got turned into a challenge race. Um, I saw that. Yeah. That's really exciting. Um, so that could be an option, but, um, you know, challenge races are mostly in places I cannot race at and, you know, the PTO races, unless they bring more, more to the United States. And, but at the same time, they're going to be very selective with their pro, you know, who's going from a pro standpoint. So gotcha. um, I'm not in a, space where I would qualify. So, uh, the Ironman pro series could be really powerful for me. So hopefully Yay. I have a better season than this year and, um, make it into that top 50. So yeah, that'll be, I'll kind of follow that series most likely. So cool. Um, Chattanooga's on the list for that. And that's one of my favorite races. So maybe. Oh, sweet. All right. Well, hopefully I'll see you there. So awesome. Well, thank you Paige for coming on and sharing your story. Um, I know it was really fun to chat about it and, um, just, yeah, kind of get to celebrate you and everything that you accomplished out there. And, um, we'll look forward to kind of hearing more about the rest of your journey in the following seasons and enjoy the postseason time. Thank frame. you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me back. I really appreciate it. And I'm I'm glad all of your listeners enjoyed the first one so much and, and hopefully they'll like this one as well. I know they will. I mean, how can you not? Right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks Paige. All right, sweetie. Thank you. Take care.